Hello and welcome to episode 846 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, August 27th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by a very special guest, the purveyor of roster resource and our very own Jason Martinez. Jason, good morning, sir. Good morning, Paul. Thanks it's for great. having me on the show. It's, I'm glad to finally be on it. It's, it's great to have you on. Justin couldn't join us. And I tell you what, based on what I've seen what you do with roster resource, been following that website forever. And now with the bullpen report, there's a chance you could Wally Pip. Lou Gary came here. I'm just saying. I'm <laughs> just saying he should be concerned. No, just kidding. But uh, it's great to have you on. You do. Uh, you, you are, like I said, the purveyor of Roster Resource, an excellent site. When I found out that you were coming over to Fangraphs, I was over the moon excited. Um, I literally go to your website every single day. And um, I can't tell you how, how valuable it was. So to have it now on Fangraphs makes life even easier. And then when we had a s- situation where it was like, you know who could do the bullpen report is Jason. I thought, I thought, well, if it's anything like he does roster resource in terms of that quality, it's going to be great. And I, can't, I cannot speak highly enough of how you've done the bullpen report. It's been fantastic. So I, I just got to heap a lot of love on you to start because I really do uh, love all the work you do. I appreciate that. I, I think the, the cool thing about coming over to Fangraphs is knowing that for what I do, it kind of, I think it mostly targets fantasy, fantasy owners, fantasy enthusiasts. Um, I'm more of a roster geek and there's some of that, but, but I think for me, I kind of approach it as, as that, as a roster geek and not thinking too much about fantasy. I know what, what the fantasy owners are looking for, but I try to stick you know, to, to, to what I, what I do and then let somebody else, you know, take that information and go, okay, this is how we apply it to, to, to fantasy baseball. And so yeah. to be part of you guys, we got our own fantasy, fantasy section with you and, and your crew. So it works out perfectly. That's almost more impressive because when looking at roster resource, when it was on rosterresource.com, which is still up and has some features, but everything's kind of working its way over here to fan graphs. I would have thought you were the biggest fantasy nerd ever. I thought, you know, I would have thought you were on a par with, with myself. So to hear that you're not even in the full fantasy game and you're still kind of catering to to what what we like and what we can use, uh, that's even more impressive. So we are going to use that that bullpen prowess as well here to talk about a lot of different situations that are going on. And if you guys aren't reading the bullpen report every night or morning, uh, depending on what your schedule is, you're missing out. Um, and of course, roster resource pages on our site. Let's dive in right away, though. We did get a trade. We got our first trade here of the, or no, second, excuse me, we forgot about the Brandon Workman deal. But we got Taiwan Walker being dealt to Toronto for a player to be named later. And this uh, coincides with Trent Thornton hitting the 45 day IL. So they were kind of hemorrhaging a little bit with starters. They obviously don't have a particularly strong rotation to begin with. Uh, they had Julian Merriweather start yesterday in kind of a bullpen game. He started two innings. You know, they got Ryu, who's been great. Roark, Chase Anderson, fine. Now Taiwan Walker comes over. He's been pretty pretty solid over there in Seattle. So he's going to come over and give them another arm. Do you think Taiwan Walker is somebody that it kind of is what he is, or could he maybe jump a level with Toronto? I think that's always always a possibility given his his – youth and his, his talent and he's you know slowly working his way back it's been a slow process to get him from where 
he was as like that one of the top pitching prospects in the game just mm-hmm. could possibly a number one number two starter and then to go through all those injuries um and then he comes back and you see he's you know i think i think it was last off season probably before he signed where they you know they had him in and they had him throwing mid 80s at some point oh, yeah that was terrifying i was oh. like he's done you know yeah. it felt it felt like it when you when you see that yeah, and I think he had some shoulder issues as well as a Tommy John, and so I, once that happens, you go, "Oh man, this is this is this is brutal." Because he's so young, he's only like 27, I think. Um, and so you know, that's the cool thing about baseball always is you never know. Um, there's for me, I look at I look at these these names and numbers all day long, and I move things around. But the the journey that the, a lot of these guys have is so. It makes it so cool when they do something good, when they're when their team wins wins a World Series, when they when they uh, when they have individual accomplishments. You think about some of the journeys for these guys, and especially for what what we do, we follow it so closely. Um, so when Ta- Taiwan Walker um, gets traded, and you look at his numbers, and you go, okay, he, you know, he, he could help that staff, but you forget this guy, what he could have been, and what he could still be. You just never know what's going to unlock that change of scenery. It is always possible, you know. Realistically, mm-hmm. it's he's probably gonna give him what he, what, you know, solid, you know, five or six innings, and you know, maybe maybe next year, and then that's gonna improve his stock for the offseason, of course, because he he does still have some upside. Uh, so he, being a 28 year old free agent, you know, Not with bad. some upside and who's healthy, that's that's actually a, a pretty good spot he'd be in. Yeah, I totally agree with that, and I, I'm totally with you on the journey of players too. And we do play fantasy, uh, you know, play a ton of fantasy, and you're always analyzing the rosters, so we we see them as names and numbers. But then when you really think about the human side of it, um, you know, it, it makes it even more fun, of course. And I've been rooting for Taiwan Walker from day one. I thought more teams should have been in on him, but then that report comes out about the mid '80s, and I'm like, well. Maybe that's why there there isn't as much interest for a 27-year-old who's shown some things. We're going to talk about an even bigger reclamation project here in just a bit when we get into some closer situations. But I have a little bit of a general question for you, and it's going to uh, you know kind of determine how busy your weekend and Monday might be. How active of a trade deadline are you expecting here in this weird season that we have? I'm not expecting much. Of course, this is this is baseball, and this is a totally new thing we're dealing with here. So. Who knows, really? But just based on so many teams, like the Blue Jays are the, the eighth spot right now in that playoff race in the AL, and they're looking to upgrade their team. Um, you know, and Seattle is seven games under under 500. They're probably not that far out. I think they are, and they're probably you know with with whatever 30 games left or whatever they they're three or four games out of that playoff spot. But I I think they can determine at this point. We, we're not very good. Let's get rid of this. Let's trade this guy and get something for him because mm-hmm. he's a free agent, obviously. Um, so how many teams are in that situation? You can look at the Rangers, the Angels, Royals, maybe maybe the Tigers, Red Sox, and maybe the Orioles in, in the AL. Um, and then in the NL, you know, even a team like the Nationals who's not playing. Yeah. Well, they, they are you know, the, I don't think they're going to pack it in. I think I think just the Pirates in the NL as far as yeah. teams that would be ready to because even the Nats and uh, Reds are both 11 and 17. But do you really think either of them says 
were done given what what they came in with talent wise even though the uphill it's an uphill battle for both but playoff odds for them are still over 25 percent for both i believe yeah and they built their team's win this year so to pack it in now it's kind of premature just because they're so close and they they are capable of, of, of getting back in it pretty quickly um it's just interesting to say you know there's you know we're halfway through this only halfway through the season but there's only 30 games left or, you know, i know it's like we've only played 30 games oh yeah but that's halfway through the season a, a series sweep though turn turns your fate you know uh my, my tigers i i feel like okay you know they're kind of out of it whatever they call them prospects which is cool but then they take two from the cubs and now they're just three under i don't realistically expect them to make the playoffs but they win like five of their next six and things start to look completely different it's 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 crazier than ever how much a a good week a good half week even can change your fate and that's why i think uh you've outlined the teams that are going to be packing it in and there's a lot more in the al than there are in the nl because i really do think it's the pirates only maybe some other teams make some moves from from depth in the national league but not necessarily to to uh, quit on their season. You know, the Nats might make a move where they think they have a strength to improve something else, but I don't think they're going to just be trading all the potential free agents for next year and saying, Hey, we give up. So, um, I, I think it's, my inclination is with yours that it's not going to be that active of a deadline, but then Jason, I have to remember that every time I have an inclination about something in 2020, the direct opposite happens. So that <laughs> means that there's going to be a billion trades based on that. And yeah, that uh, we could have a fun weekend then. Happens to me in a, re- in a regular season. You know what I mean? This is like totally different. So I, that's why I'm expecting some, something crazy to happen. But I mean, if you look at those teams that we mentioned, who are the game changers there? I think that's the tough part too. Is how, how easy it is to trade those. Like JD Martinez, isn't having it isn't having a good year and then he has that contract which is there's a lot i think he might even have an opt-out in there i mean there's a lot of weird things in there that could it's hard to determine his value mm-hmm. and then you go okay well remember he you know the diamondbacks picked him up a few years ago and he, he, he you know he's capable of just carrying that team jason i just said i was a tigers fan don't bring that up come um, on <laughs> they got nothing Padres for him down. Go there all, all day long, guys. Pardon me. I'm a Padres fan, so we, we you know, there's, there's, there aren't, there's, there's so many names you can mention throughout the year that true, are, true but you have one of the best ones on the positive end there with the Fernando yeah. Tatis Jr. deal that that's, that's, that that's reigns make, supreme. It makes up for a lot, a lot of sadness over the years. <laughs> and hey, they're they're playing well right now, so uh, don't. I I know you probably don't want to get too excited. I know when whenever you root for a team that's like kind of a perennial, uh, you know, bottom of the barrel team or or even mid pack at best, it's you you rarely want to like get your get your hopes up. I mean, I remember the 2006 season when the Tigers were kind of having that dream season, and I was invested in it the whole year and I loved it, but I kept thinking something was going to go wrong. Uh, let's take a quick detour there. In this in this season here, this this you know, two months season, Padres are playing well. They're looking like they have a good opportunity for a playoff spot. How comfortable are you getting at the idea that they kind of are going to at least make the make the playoff dance? Yeah, it's looking it's looking pretty good. And I'll tell you, just from watching them every day, I I don't think there are many teams that want to play the Padres right now. I agree. They don't have, you know, I, I kind of compare them to. The uh, the '97 Padres pre pre Kevin Brown, 
where you know that this team is like, wow, they can be pretty good. They're a solid team. They're just, they're not quite at that level where you just, the other teams are scared of them. And then they acquired Kevin Brown, and you go, wow, these guys, nobody's going to beat these guys. And then it was game over. Yeah, it was like, you you know, you would come to the, you know, you'd, I would, the first time as a Padres fan, just, you're going to turn on the TV, you're going to go to the game, and the other team is not as good as my team. And that was a different feeling, you know. And I, I, and I completely it, agree. And it's been so long. And it's been 10 years since the Padres were good. And so this is a different it's, – it's almost like I, I forgot how it felt to, to be upset that my team is losing or not playing well. <laughs> to actually care, right? Because yeah. – yeah, and that's how I felt in, in 2006 for for the long Tigers run until recently when they're back in a rebuild where I actually cared about the wins and losses, even though you know inherently going into a season your team's going to win 60, lose 60, and then you know it's kind of that cliche of then the, the, the other 40 are going to kind of d- determine how your season goes. Um, it was nice having that, that concern over the wins and losses, and that's definitely where San Diego's at right now. By the way, you know, the, the Slam Diego stuff was so awesome, and they're setting up on Friday for a four-game set in Colorado. Uh, are they going to hit a Grand Slam every game or two every game? Like, how, how do you think that that's going to go uh, with them in Colorado? Now that everybody's expecting it, it's never going to happen again. That's right? true. That's true. No more Grand Slams the rest of the year. By the way, I think one of the most crazy things about how well they're playing is that, you know, if I told you at the beginning of the year, hey, they're second, they're 18 and 13, they're playing really well – what do you think the stats are for these five players and, you know, the five stars or whatever? You probably would have said that Chris Paddock would be a low three ZRA, maybe sub three. He has a 515 ERA. And I know I didn't put this on our rundown to go Padres, but I know you can talk Padres for hours. Are you concerned about what's going on with, with Paddock? Because right now the only thing that really stands out is the two and a half homers per nine. And we're still in small sample zone. But he has given up a homer in all but one outing. With the debut outing, he went six scoreless. But since then, it's been one, one, two, three, one, and two. Is there some concern there about Paddock going forward? Because I feel like to really do something in the playoffs, they need him. Yeah, I, I think it's not really a surprise. I think you know if you watch, if you follow baseball close enough, you, you know there's always a chance that it doesn't matter how what your track record is or how good your stuff is you're just gonna you're gonna get lit up sometimes and so it's always a it's a matter of how well is this guy gonna gonna make adjustments and paddock seems like he has done that so far but it gets to a point where you this guy has two pitches and and you hear about his curveball and you see it once in a while but he's not really confident in it and this is you know to to go out to, to try to get through five six innings fastball and curveball it doesn't matter how how good your stuff is you almost have to have you know you have to have perfect command with that with those pitches especially if one of them's off in a given day yeah and, and even like you know you think about trevor hoffman did it with 85 mile per hour fastball 75 mile per hour change up and it was only you know one inning per game but he, his command had to be pinpoint he could not miss his spot mm-hmm. and you know, even at 95 and, and 87 or whatever, whatever Paddock is, still ha- these guys can hit 95 easily, especially if they're just get- they're just sitting on one pitch, and and if they get it, it's a straight fastball too. Exactly. Um, not a lot of room for air. So I think, you know, I, I think he's probably overhyped a little bit based on on where he is there, but but I think he is one. He has 
that that bulldog mentality that you want. I mean, he can, you know, he, he probably has that ahead of where where his his stuff is. You know, I I think that has to catch up a little bit, but I think some guys don't have that mentality, and they have the you know so many great so many pitchers with great stuff just never are never any good. And so when you look at Paddock, he has that already. So it's just a matter of figuring some things out. And you got a short season right now, so it's it, it, I think it's amplified a little bit just because you know he he only has about five five starts left before before the playoffs. There aren't mm-hmm. any other options. You know, there's it's gonna be it's him. He he has to he has to come through. Um, yeah, they need him to be one of the big guys. Paddock, Lamette. Richards ideally there and, and Zach Davies has been pitching well though so that's kind of made up for it and the bullpen um, has, has been strong obviously uh, losing Yates is a bummer but uh, you know I, I I think he'll figure it out I think you make a great point about the two pitch arsenal though that can be problematic because like I said anytime one of the pitches isn't working on a given day you're really left fighting it to try to figure it out on a one pitch situation. And then of course there's going to be days where neither is working particularly well and he just has to kind of grind it out. But long-term, I certainly don't have any concerns about Paddock. Uh, We'll see how he works out the rest of the way here, but let's get into some closer talk here because again, you've been doing the bullpen report, crushing it. And I want to, I want to get into some of these situations and and see where your thoughts are since you're in the day to day with it. Joe Jimenez is out as the closer that has been confirmed by Ron Gardenhire. They haven't really suggested that somebody will take the role uh, and, and, and or be given the role immediately. Somebody could take it. And I guess that's where my question comes to you. Of the guys that I think are in the most consideration, you put three guys with the CL tag on our roster page. Buck Farmer, Gregory Soto, Jose Cisnero. Uh, and that's Farmer's a righty, as is Cisnero, and then Soto's the lefty. Where do you lean as far as picking the next Tigers closer? Do you think one of these guys emerges, or do they really just go – into a committee type style for the three of them. Well, I think they were set up to have to set up with a certain pecking order as far as like like this is the next guy in line, and I think that was Buck Farmer just based on how he you know he had he had a pretty solid year in 2019, and he was pretty much the guy eighth inning. They're going to Buck Farmer. He's getting the job done, and so he, I wouldn't say they were going to they weren't going to give him the job straight up to say all right you're the closer now, but. I think he was the first up mm-hmm. in a lot of these situations. There's probably a guy that stands out a little bit more and he's going to get the first chance. And if he gets the job done and he gets the next chance and the manager trusts you. So, Hey, this guy's, this guy's our closer now, even, even if it's never mentioned by the manager, it's kind of like, all right, this seems like he's the guy that he trusts. Um, and then farmer got a, a four run lead into the ninth yesterday and they had used those other guys earlier. So it seems like it was, it was headed toward this regardless. If, if they're ahead in the ninth, Buck Farmer's going to get the ball. And he, he gave up four straight hits to start the inning and got the sack fly. Sack fly got it to a one-run game, and then he got the next two out. So, so you know, on the one hand, he got the job done. And I think to a certain extent, that's important. All right, you, you got the, your job was to finish this game with – with us winning, you know, and that, and he, and he did that, but also, wow, you got lit up. <laughs> got absolutely lit up there. And like you said, the other two guys were, had been used Soto the inning before and Cisnero for a, a one out hold uh, earlier, th- earlier before that. So it was like, you're kind of the last man standing here. We really need you to finish this out. 
Yeah, and they didn't. Yeah, they didn't have any options. It was, it was him or, or nobody. But I think it was. You know, they he earned that that opportunity, and and so now you can't really trust him. I think I think it is it, it is a true committee at this point where so Soto is that lefty who's he could just blow people away and he had a really good start and then he had a few rough outings but he's he's that guy who who you know, he has the stuff to be shut down closer but mm-hmm. such a young inexperienced guy you also don't want to put too much on his shoulders right now and so you also got Cisnero who pitched well last year he's he's a journeyman veteran guy he's older so. You know, you got a, a pretty good combination of guys there, and as well as um, Brian Garcia, who's who's been good this year. Um, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he was one of those um, those rare bullpen uh, reliever prospects where you yes. draft college as a reliever, and you go, oh, this guy, this guy could actually be a closer in the future, as a, as opposed to a, a starting pitching prospect who just never pans out. And then you say, stop, stop trying to throw those that third pitch, and okay, boom, now you're now you're a closer. Um, this is a, an actual relief prospect. So you got four guys there to take a look at, um, and you know I, I think the Tigers are are, are, are okay. They're not going to have too many safe situations, right? True. I mean, it was yeah. the last days, but I don't I don't think they're going to have enough time to to for somebody to kind of just separate themselves. So I I, I, I would agree have, with that. You have a chance to get Soto a look. Um, See if Farmer can maybe step up and take that, and then maybe you know let Jimenez work his way back because he had a good start to the season. I think he was they they used him a lot. They were winning early on, um, and then you know I make a point in the in the bullpen report to say the guy lost his job and he wasn't even he, he wasn't even doing his job. He was called in and they weren't they weren't safe situations. He was terrible two times in non-safe situations, and he lost his job because of it, which sucks. <laughs> but that's all. That's always a bummer. Basically, yeah. like losing your job on your on your day off there. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with you though, with regards to the fact that there's not going to be enough time for somebody to really step up and take the role. I think for fantasy purposes, um, you go for Buck Farmer, but you don't do anything crazy bidding wise. And then if you're just maybe needs, or you could use some saves, but you don't desperately need them. Maybe you throw a token bid on Soto or Cisnero to get the offhand save here and there. I'm going to mix the rundown up on you a little bit. Uh, because they played the Cubs, and so I'm going to move the Kimbrel piece up and and talk about the fact that, you know, he was the last guy. He pitched the eighth for them, and so that means somebody – I think Jeffress could have come in if they had taken the lead to try to close it out in the ninth. Rowan Wick pitched in the sixth, and he was the guy who was looking like he had it for a while there. Is Kimbrel slowly working his way back into getting that job, though? And does Jeffress have it right now with Wick being the 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 odd man out? Yeah, I think it, it was it was heading in that direction. It seemed like where Wick was was pretty well establishing that you know he can be trusted, right? It's like he he um he can be trusted, and but at the same time, Kimbrel had you know two or three really good outings and. You can you can kind of pick between those two guys, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next the next game they use Wick, like in the sixth inning or seventh inning. When I don't even remember if they were losing or, or uh, if they were losing, but it was I mean obviously it wasn't a situation that you would expect from Wick after after you had well established that hey this is you know you can you can count on me I'm your closer if you need me. Now I got to go pitch the sixth inning. That's a bummer. <laughs> um, 
so you figure at that point, maybe it's Kimbrell. Maybe Kimbrell has a job back. And then first game he's in, it's the eighth inning, which is still, it was still a high leverage spot. But I think the, the, the one thing that stands out to me, even though if, if, I, think if, I think if you look at the numbers, um, as far as safe situation versus non-safe situation, it doesn't stand out a lot as far as, you know, guys do better and, you know, with the game on the line versus if you bring a closer in with, with, with the game tied, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think, uh, <clears throat> but I think if you, if, you, if, if I was a closer, I'm going to think, I'm going to think about it as, as me personally. I would love that situation where, where you come in and obviously there's not a crowd right now. Normally you got the crowd, you got your yeah. theme music going on and you get to, you get to, to, uh, to record that last out and high five with all your teammates and you did the job there. That's, that's yeah. pretty awesome feeling. Oh, for and sure. So when they put you in and it's not that situation, it has to be kind of a letdown, right? Oh, <laughs> like for, yeah. I mean, and especially with no fans too, like you said, that that's gotta be messing with some of these closers. Yeah, so so you still got to go out and do your job, and I and I think that's a mindset that is going to take some time. Like if you look at the situation, like like the Rays, they've gone, they've pushed it a little bit further this year, even from from last year. They've got they way are just they're, they're taunting fantasy folks right now. And it's kind of like I I think they they will find their comfort zone and kind of stick with the guy just because they trust him. But I think eventually, they, you know, they're they're pushing a little bit more where, where they get to that point where, you don't really think of any of your guys as a closer. It's like you really just you're going inning by inning and going, this is the best guy for this inning, right? Mm-hmm. And um, but I think it's hard for managers to get to that point, and for for somebody like Kimbrel, who who has been a closer his entire career and he's earned that job, and and I think he would be at his best in that role. So all of a sudden, you're trying to get him back on track. And then you throw him in there in the eighth inning. Uh, I mean, he still has to go out and make pitches, but that's that's a uh, I don't I don't see it as as a as an easy situation for him. Surely Kimbrough understands why he had to lose the job and kind of work his way back toward it, though, because of of how poorly he's pitched. And you know, hopefully he gets back on track because I mean, this is one of the best closers we've ever seen. And, you know, you never root for somebody to just completely melt down like that. I, I think right now, though, it's it's Jeffress um, and, and those that had Rowan Wick, they can kind of move on from him. But then don't get too comfortable with Jeffress, because if Kimbrell does string together another couple of quality outings, I think he's going to get that gig back. And you mentioned Tampa Bay, five guys for their last five saves. Does that is anybody rosterable for a fantasy standpoint? without um, getting consistent saves? Like, would you, again, I know you don't play, do you play any fantasy or, or none at all? No, not, not at all because, because I'm uh, I'm an all or nothing guy. So. I hear you. So if you can't commit <laughs> I, I, the I full time to it, you're not even going to do it. Exactly. So so fantasy baseball seems like a lot of, a lot of work. You got to pay, it is. You know, I pay yep. attention, but it's more focused on, okay, now I got to go update update these rosters. So So I guess my question to you is, like if there's league, there are leagues that where holds and strikeouts are valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And so I get, I'm thinking, those are those are the Tampa Bay. We could we should call those Tampa Bay leagues because those are where you want their relievers because they have so many electric guys. But in the standard format where it's just saves, it can be a nightmare. And Nick Anderson was costing quite a bit this year because his talent 
was so so massive. Now he's on the IL, and like I said, five guys for their last five saves. I mean, D- Diego Castillo maybe is rosterable because he's getting a ton of strikeouts, and you know he got the most recent save. And I guess I, I guess here's the thing: the bottom line is, if you're rostering any of these guys, and you're not just doing it for ratios and strikeouts, you're going to have a lot of heartache. If if that's all you want, and then you'll take the occasional save, that's great. Because Peter Fairbanks is out there. He's got 15 and a half strikeouts per nine. That's amazing. Castillo has 10.8. Um, but they're not going to settle on anybody. And I made a joke about, you know, how they're tormenting fantasy folks. No, they're just managing a bullpen like you should. I, it's it's this weird conundrum that I've talked about a lot where my heart loves it or uh, my brain loves it because it's the right way to manage my heart. My fantasy baseball heart hates it because I want somebody to have set saves. So I'm kind of left with like, I understand why they're doing it, but it's absolutely maddening. The biggest issue right now for Tampa Bay is their guys are dropping like flies. They have Morton, Chirinos. I mean, those are starters, but Nick Anderson, Jalen Beeks, Chaz Rowe, Jose Alvarado, Andrew Kittredge, Oliver Drake, all on the IL. And so maybe that's part of it too, is that there isn't just that one guy that they could even go to if they wanted to right now. It's, it's crazy. It's almost like a curse. Like, <laughs> It's yeah, the like second that you get a save, you're, you're going to get hurt. Oh, actually, he's hurt. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think uh, it was like, you know, Drake had two saves, but they were in similar situations where you know, they were ahead by three and they had gone to Anderson earlier. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it, I think it's important to try to figure out what what they're doing, you know, as far as how they, why are they, why are they using them the way they use them? Right? And I think it it's almost like one of those, you know, in the NFL, they got their little, uh, that little um, two-point two chart. Should we go for one or yes. should we go for two? Yes. And you get all these situations. So I think, I imagine they can have something like that ready to go at any time where you go, these are the batters that are coming up. These are the pitchers that are available. Okay, the, you know, are we winning? Or the best are we, matchups, versus righty, versus lefty, yep. Yeah, and you could probably eliminate a, a couple guys that they don't really trust. Like, you know, you got Anthony Banda down there. Like, he's our, he's our long man. He's, he's probably just going to pitch if if we're losing, right? But mm-hmm. we've got five other guys that we could use right now. So what's the best matchup? You know, and, and maybe you go, well, let's not use Nick Anderson in the, in the fourth inning or the fifth inning. But anytime after the sixth inning, if Nick Anderson is your best matchup, that's who we're going with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next inning, well, Nick Anderson's not here anymore, so let's go, you know, who's our best matchup right now? And it seems like it's almost, you know, you, you, do, you do want the manager to have, use his instincts a little bit. And I think that's why I say they, it, it's hard to kind of move away from that comfort zone. But once, you, once, once you've been doing it a little bit and you kind of understand that's part of what his instincts are, I'm, he kinda, I'm sure that Kevin Cash has a really good feel of that now. I think so, too. He's found his rhythm of knowing when to use these guys. And it looks it looks haphazard to the to the fantasy manager because we want that's that that um, solid foundation. But it's not to, to the Rays. And I, I, I totally get that. Like I said, it's it's the two two brains battling back and forth, the fantasy brain versus the, the real life baseball brain. And uh, I think you're right that I love the analogy with the two point chart where it's like, hey, we got four of the next five batters are righties. This is an Oliver Drake situation in the sixth inning. I don't care that he got the last two saves. This is the time to use him. I'm going to play my Oliver Drake card. Um, Next up, it's the seventh inning. They got a man on. The heart of the order is coming out. 
it's Nick Anderson time because it's the heart of the order in a tough situation. So I think that's how they're they're viewing it right now. And if you want clarity as a fantasy manager, you're just barking up the wrong tree. That This is just not a team that's going to deliver it in any capacity right now. And uh, especially with all the injuries they're dealing with because a new guy has to pop up. It's not like they have all these uh, all the guys that are even getting the saves the next day, they seem to get hurt. So that's kind of where we're at with Tampa Bay. Let's move out to Colorado. And this is where I was hinting at uh, a reclamation even, even bigger than Taiwan Walker's. And that's Daniel Bard, who had been out of the league for six seasons. And frankly, you know, with, with, with no, do, no disrespect intended, but he wasn't particularly good prior to that. Uh, his his 2012 season was a disaster where he struck out or he walked more than he struck out and he had a 6.22 ERA and then he only pitched one inning in 13 and it was just done um, and so uh, he comes back now at age 35 he's throwing 97 right in line with where he was at his peak and he's pitching remarkably well and the biggest thing is that he's not walking guys he has a five percent walk rate era is up a little bit at 450 he's given up a couple runs recently but he has 14 innings with a 28 percent strikeout rate five percent walk a 129 whip and a 450 era when they lost uh wade davis it kind of opened up where they said okay hyro Diaz is the guy they did name somebody but then they kind of instantly went to committee where it's bard estevez and diaz now again you don't play fantasy but if you did would you trust any one of these three more than the other, or is it a true committee? I think Bud Black is the kind of manager that will he 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 wants to get a he wants to go to his comfort zone. And he wants to be comfortable with that guy. And, and and the thing is, he doesn't have that many options right now. Because I don't know if the 35 year old reclamation project, you know, even if you, you know, you've had a good couple of weeks, I don't I don't think that's the guy. I don't think that's the guy you go to. Um, but who do you trust? You know, you gave the job to Jairo Diaz based on, you know, how he pitched last September. And he wasn't pitching very well. You got a couple other guys that have been okay. Tyler Kenley, Yancy Almonte, but not guys that you want to throw into the closer job. You got Carlos Estevez, who had success a few years back as a rookie when they had, they had to throw him into that role. And it was kind of cool that this guy named Carlos Estevez, who threw 100 miles per hour, um, you don't get the, the Charlie Sheen reference. That's yes. Oh, I get it. I, I, I loved where you were going right when you said that. Yeah, that's pretty awesome that the guy threw in 100 was the, now the closer. Um, he, got, he got hurt. Um, and talking about talking about journeys again. And, and so um, he has to work his way all the way back to to where he is now, three or four years later. And, and uh, he's been pitching pretty well. Also, so I think it's you know it was pretty clear that it was going to be between those two guys, Bard and Estevez, and it was almost by default. You can't really go to anybody else in that bullpen, and they proved it last night as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those two guys have been used a lot lately. They were trying to stay away from them, and so you go with El Monte. He gives up a couple runs, and this was with the eight-one lead. Monte gives up a couple. Kinley Kinley uh, saves the day, and then he puts a couple guys on in the ninth. You go to Diaz. He allows them all to score gets to 8-7 and you finally have to go to Jeff Hoffman for the last out and so that <laughs> I, I don't know if I don't know if he, if Bud Black will go to Estevez the next safe chance but I have a feeling he's the kind of guy who kind of just goes with what worked last time Bard has saved the last two games he did his job so keep giving it to him you know I agree that Black would ideally uh 
want to have that push button that he can go to. So if it happens to be the 35-year-old reclamation project who establishes himself, they will go that way. Uh, but right now, I still think it is a little bit unclear until somebody firmly, firmly situates themselves there in Colorado. And again, for those that didn't quite get the reference that that Jason was uh, uh, masterfully putting together there, uh, Carlos Estevez is Charlie Sheen's given name. And so, yeah, when Carlos Estevez, the Colorado Rocky, was pitching, I hope they were doing the wild thing, you know, theme music for him. Because, I mean, it's 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 a little on the nose, but it's, it's too perfect. It's actually not even on the nose because, like I said, a lot of people probably don't even get that reference. But I liked what you did there. I thought that was uh, perfect. So keep an eye on that situation. I think Bard's the guy to have right now, but Diaz and Estevez are not out of it. Let's go out to Toronto. We talked about them earlier with the Taiwan Walker deal. Let's talk about their closer situation. And I'll just ask you point blank. Has Jordan Romano taken over for Anthony Bass here? At least he's the, you know, if, if, they're, if they're sharing that job, he, he's going to, at least it seems like he's going to get the bulk of chances right now. And yeah. like a 60-40 or 70-30? Like where, where would you put the, the split there if they are sharing it? Yeah, I'd say it's probably leaning more more towards 70 30 moving away towards you know i i think it's with any young pitcher like that i think you want to you don't want to risk putting too much pressure on him and mm-hmm. say oh you're the closer now um i think that's a really it, it's a really cool thing to do for for a guy to say i'm the closer it's a big deal and now you know and you know it it, it will be a big deal the headlines in the news world and you know fantasy baseball Jordan Romano is now the closer. So I think the direction we're headed with, with the way the managers treat, treat them, you know, these situations um, is that they don't really have to tell us who their closer is. And it, it's almost like a strategic thing. Yes. Like, why do I have to tell you who my closer is? <laughs> I'm not telling you who, who I'm going to use in the ninth inning. Yeah, so you can't plan for them and maybe save like a uh, like a pinch hitter because benches are a little bit deeper now, especially this year. I think you're making a great point there because why give that away? It's not not necessary. There's no you know you have to name a starter, but uh, for each game, but you you don't have to name the closer. You'll you'll see when we get to the ninth. I think that is like it's a small strategic advantage, but there is some something to be maybe be, maybe be gleaned from that. So I think that's a great point. Uh, yeah, what about Ken Giles working his way back, by the way? Is, well, how much will he muddy that up? I mean, obviously, when he comes back, he's just going to take the job, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think as well as Romano, Romano's pitch, I think it, you can probably activate Ken Giles and say, we're going to give him two, two appearances, maybe not high leverage, just to make sure that he gets back into the swing of things. And then a little ramp up. probably give him his job back because he didn't lose his job. He was just hurt. Um, with that said, elbow injury, I don't know. I don't trust. <laughs> I don't trust, you know, that anybody's going to stay healthy um, if their elbow hurts. And I think he had the same issue last year. It came yes. back, um, and so right around the deadline last year too. By the way, when it was so, looking like they could maybe trade him. Yeah, and so we're in a situation this year where if he needs Tommy John surgery, and I think we're uh, in a similar situation with Roberto Osuna. If he needs Tommy John surgery, he's going to miss next year anyways. So might as well try to rehab and try to come back at the end of the season to help his team out and then have the Tommy John surgery. And either way, you're, you're missing the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, if, if, if he's working his way back, that's, that's one thing. And I, and I think so it's just a matter of, let, you know, 
maybe this guy can help us for a couple weeks. Maybe his elbow can get strong enough where it kind of just masks whatever is that, whatever is going on down there, whatever is going on with the ligament. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky situation just because you don't want to, if Romano is doing the job there, you don't want to mess with things at all. If you're the manager, you don't want to be the cause of things just blowing up at the end of the season because your bullpen, you know, you move Romano out of the closer gig and maybe he has a bad outing. You put Giles there, he blows the save, and then it's like, why didn't you just leave Romano there? Why didn't you just leave well enough alone? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's not. I don't envy managers having to figure that out because, like you said, Giles didn't lose the job. He simply got hurt. Um, and, and he is working his way back. Uh, it's not guaranteed that he'll be back on the timetable early to mid-September. That's, you know, if it's mid-September, that's still plenty of time for Romano to collect a bunch of saves. They're a quality team, so they are going to have opportunities. So I think he's still the guy to roster. I wish you get rid of Anthony Bass yet, though. I would I would still maintain my Anthony Bass, uh, my Anthony Bass shares and just kind of ride it out and see where we go from there. Let's move away from closers a little bit here and talk about a couple other factors while we while we wrap up. Ian Anderson debuted yesterday for the Braves, uh, pitching prospect. One of their more heralded ones. We ranked him third on our list here, um, on the Braves list. Eric Longenhagen had him there as a 55 with a 50-grade fastball, 50-curveball, 55 changeup. You love to see three pitches at 50 or better. And the changeup being the best of the bunch, that was on display yesterday. It was really getting a lot of swings and misses. Now, he was taking on a decimated uh Yankees lineup. It, it was it was the B squad. They, you know, in a doubleheader, you usually see one of the lineups that isn't as as good as the other. This happened to be the 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 first one. A lot of times, it's the second game, um, where where the kind of secondary players come in and all that. It happened to be the first game here, and I don't say that to like denigrate what what Anderson did, but it has to be put into the proper context that it wasn't the full scale Yankees. Still, he crushed it. He goes six one hit innings, one run. Uh, it was a Luke Voigt homer because he's an awesome stud. Uh, two walks, six strikeouts. You still had, you know, Voigt, uh, Urshela as a quality hitter. I know he's not playing well, but Gary Sanchez, uh, Mike Talkman. But that's that's about it. You know, Stanton's on the IL. Judge wasn't back. He debuted in the second game. But where do you come out on Ian Anderson's debut here when he throws six strong against the Yankees squad and, and flashes that brilliant changeup? Is he somebody that you think – can stabilize their rotation a bit because they've dealt with injuries left and right in Atlanta. Yeah, I think just because it's only you know only another month, there is a possibility that this young guy here who can can stabilize his pitching staff because you know if it was over a longer period, two or three months, I'd look at a guy like Ian Anderson and go, he's going to have some ups and downs. He's going to have games where he's just really bad. He's going to have games where he dominates, um, and that could still be the case but there's mm-hmm. a better chance that he can keep this up for, for three four five starts um and it's it's really hard to predict because normally we get to, to we get to at least follow these guys in the minors pitching every 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 five days and and i think you get a sense the hitters and pitchers relievers starters when it's time when you, when you go these guys are just they're just way too good for triple a they need you know this they've earned the shot and they come up and I think the teams are really careful about bringing up the top prospects at a time where, okay, we're pretty sure this guy is going to stay because he's doing all the right things. We don't think it's fluky. We don't want to send him back and forth. And mm-hmm. I think 
I think it's hard to get a get a feel for it now because they're not, you know, I guess I guess the team could still get a decent feel because he's been throwing the hitters and they've been playing in these these games at the alternate site. Um, but it's harder to get an idea of you know, is this guy ready to is he is he here is he here for good because he could just you know, be terrible in the next start and then they're going to give him another start because they don't have anybody else. And keep giving all the starts to Robbie Erlin and Josh Tomlin. Yeah, uh, it, it's crazy how quickly a, a, a team's rotation depth can be just decimated. It's mm-hmm. crazy because of injuries and because you can't. I think and the same thing with with Toronto. Um, they stack their rotation with veteran guys that you know have 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 a track record of throwing 150 plus 160, and you go okay. So even if you know. Nate Pearson isn't going to be on the opening day roster. We don't have to rush him because we got all these other guys that have, you know, they're not, you know, they're good mid rotation to back rotation guys. Yeah, they're 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 steady. They're, they're reliable. And then you start slowly mixing in the young guys once they prove that they're ready. And so when you look at the, what the Braves had for a couple of years, you go, wow, they have so many pitching prospects, and none of them have worked out. And you finally get to Anderson, some of the younger guys, and go, you might as well give them a shot because none of the other guys are working out. And, and fortunately for them, it, it worked out so far. But I think based on his talent, that's it's not a surprise that he pitched well. I think it's more of, you know, is he really ready to do this every single time? Because that's mm-hmm. all the biggest factor for a major league player. It's a lot of yeah, them what- for, for a week, a month. Okay, the next step is can you do this over, over two months, over three months? And how do they adjust when the league adjusts to them? Because there's going to be an adjustment period, right? They're going to get the book on you. You're going to have that first rough start. How do you counter that? Same on the hitter end. You know, you're going to have those those uh, four games where you go like uh, you get one hit across four or five games. How do you adjust back? And so we'll see that. The interesting part here that you mentioned, the season could basically run out before that happens to Ian Anderson. He could. He, he could get to the finish line here with five, six starts of quality work before they really figure it out. And, hey, we're already in the playoffs. He did it. So and he's definitely the kind of guy who has that capability. He is a legitimate prospect. And so I'm, I'm eager to see where he goes from here because he was he was passed over a bit with, uh, you know, Kyle Wright getting an opportunity both this year and last. Last year, Bryce Wilson got an opportunity. They were just kind of looking, you know, they brought Sean Newcomb back into the rotation and finally, they were just left where it's like, hey, uh, Tuki Toussaint, uh, they had to they had to finally give Anderson an opportunity. He meets the challenge on the first start. We'll see where he goes from here, but I'm eager to kind of follow this this trajectory. I mentioned Aaron Judge was not in that lineup. He was in the Game 2 lineup, but then left. He left his first game back with calf tightness. Now, I wonder, um, I, I don't know how much of your, your roster resourcing is automated uh, or how much of it is... You have to do it manually, but could you write a macro that you just press like control H and it automatically takes Aaron judge out of the lineup because he has to leave the lineup every single day. It seems like I'm, I don't mean to make light of his injuries because it really sucks. He's one of the brightest players in the game as far as talent and watching him play, but my guy cannot stay healthy and it's, it's an absolute bummer. Where do we go from here with Aaron Judge? You know, because he's not young either. Like he's not not old, but when when you think of a guy who won Rookie of the Year so recently, you're like, oh, he's you know he's an up and comer. No, he was a late bloomer, so he's already 28. 
is this just going to be what we deal with where he's not going to be a guy who can play even a buck 50 let alone um you know anywhere close to 162 i mean is he is he on 135 140 games a year type of guy just because of the the health concerns yeah you know i I think being such a young guy even if you look at stanton's career we we had gone we had already gotten to this point five years ago where you go this guy's never going to stay healthy and then of course he gets healthy you know when you see him healthy for a couple years yeah yeah two back-to-back super healthy years yeah contract and then but now it's back to that again it's it's just you know it's hard to make uh, preseason projections with with certain guys with certain teams but you know there's certain guys that you pencil in for 98 percent of the starts like a manny machado Mm-hmm. You know, Freddie Freeman, typically like those, those kind of guys that, that, you know, Goldschmidt that, you know, they're always going to be in there. They we look at their at their career stats and it's, it's all 158, 159 games, 161 games. And it's just consistent. And then maybe there's one out there. Um, but then there's a lot of guys, similar to Judge and Stanton, who you, you don't there's only the out there is the 160 game season. And, you know, even if they're just like nagging injuries like this and once in a while there are the freak injuries where you get hit by a pitch or or fall awkwardly but yeah this is you know the a cap injury um it happened but then you know at, at which point do you are you healthy enough to come back because these guys are all supermen you know the greatest athletes in the world mm-hmm. they always feel like oh i'm good i'm good i can play i can play. I can come back i can come back yeah they, they their timetables are always like half of what the uh, what what the team doctor says for them, so they're they're ready to come back. Because like you said, you know they are they are supermen. They're they're amazing athletes. The worst MLB player is still a brilliant athlete who is unbelievably good at baseball. Just relative to the top, you know, one percent of baseball players, um, he, he's not quite as good as them. If he's the worst in the majors, so you know it's it's a bummer with Judge. We'll monitor it. Uh, he has not been put back on the IL yet but did leave after the three at-bats because of calf tightness. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of what you're signing up for when you when you draft Judge. When he, when he's playing, he's excellent, but he gets hurt a lot. Last bit of news here, Zach Plesak looks like he's staying down. Um, you know, obviously he caused all the all the situation with the with going out and partying and getting in trouble for that. He, he served the 10 days in the minors. The Clevenger came back yesterday. He pitched against Minnesota. Police tax is going to stay down because they have Tristan McKenzie. And I, I believe me, I know that it isn't just because of Tristan McKenzie. Part of this is is absolutely an extra punishment because of the way the the players uh, on the team felt. Uh, you know, they were really upset with what Police Act did. So I wonder if you think that this is just going to last until they can kind of get the extra service time, or is he just down until a spot opens up, either via injury or somebody faltering? Is Zach Plesak effectively done for them right now until a natural opening occurs, despite how well he pitched to start the season? Yeah, I, I think that's where we're at. And I, and I think it's it's worked out probably best for the Indians in that, you know, if it was Clevenger who, who made the video in the car saying stupid things, <laughs> I think it's it, such a dumb video. <laughs> them in a really tough spot because it's like we we need clevenger we need clevenger and nah i mean it's gonna it's gonna be controversy we bring him back and they, they both did the same dumb thing but i think clevenger kind of kept his mouth shut afterwards and did, did what he needed to do and they they brought him back um but they're in a situation now where 
because McKenzie took took that number five spot and he was so good. They don't really have to deal with Plezak right now, and they don't. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a controversy. This guy was really good. He deserves another start, and maybe he's not as good in his next start. But we're not going to send him down after one bad start. I mean, they they bought it buys them at least you know another few weeks where they don't have to deal with with Plezak. And the longer they wait. You know, it, it's gonna it's it, the less of a controversy it's gonna be. So I think I think it's worked out probably as good as, as it could for them for the Indians yep. having to deal with, deal with it. Um, Especially yeah. with McKenzie dominating in his first outing, like, hey, we got a guy here. We're not putting in some random sixth starter type. We're putting in a legitimate top prospect. Yeah, and I think that that's that's fortunate for for them. Um, they'll have to deal. With it eventually, but you know, I'm sure they'd rather deal with it in the offseason, not not in 2020, because because he was pitching really good. He's a really good pitcher. Uh-huh. Uh, can help him out. And so if you if you got your number five starter getting lit up right now, and that that situation just staring you at the face, and you have to deal with it. Um, so bringing up bringing Clevenger back makes it a little bit easier. And you know, I, I, I think ideally they get to the offseason and then they probably try to trade him and. That probably makes it a lot easier for everybody. Yeah, they might just move on from this and say, you know what, we're not we're not dealing with it because again, a lot of the other players were really angry and were saying that they would they would leave, they would opt out if if Plesak was brought back just because of the the selfishness of what he did, particularly with having Carlos Carrasco, uh, you know, who came back from cancer last year on the squad. I think that that heightens things a bit as well. So Plesak is down for now, and I mean. I think I would try to hold him in fantasy as long as I could just because he did pitch so well. And, you know, the second that you get comfortable with pitching, something happens injury-wise. And so it wouldn't be outlandish to see them uh, have somebody get hurt and then all of a sudden he's, he's right back and, and this whole thing blows over. But right now, for the foreseeable future, he's out. Tristan McKenzie's in. So uh, that's going to wrap us up, Jason. I want to thank you so much for coming on. And again, thank you for all you do, both with the Bullpen Report and Roster Resource. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about um, with Roster Resource, you used to do uh, other sports, too. Are you still doing the other sports? No, that was that was part of Roster Resource. So the, one of the many cool things about coming to Fangrass is I can focus solely on baseball. Um, I love it. And it's, it was weird to to be to not be following football and basketball like I was for a few years. Mm-hmm. That just goes. It reminds it's a reminder that we we do our jobs and we can do it pretty well because we are almost never away from this news cycle. The news cycle is almost nonstop. And if you're off of it for a couple of days, like what the heck happened? That guy's not good anymore. What you know? It's like that guy got hurt. What are, who's this guy? And that's kind of like, you know, that's that's how I've always, you know, seen just like a mainstream baseball fan. You go to a baseball game, whoa, when do we get this guy? <laughs> or, oh, yeah. No, like, and I feel that totally whenever I start watching. Like, I'll, I'll have to get back into football here shortly because I, I play some fantasy. And I'm going to be like, oh, he's on our team? Cool. When, when did when did the Lions get this guy? <laughs> like, I, to, I totally get that vibe. Uh, but being in the day-to-day of it, obviously baseball is the one sport I don't ever have that issue. Every once in a while it pops up where, you know, Brian Dozier, I think, was on the Mets for a brief moment. I was like, wait, when did he get there? I, that that one I did miss. But uh, all the other stuff I say stay well in tune, and it's because of 
roster resource. So again, man, I really want to thank you for that work. It's it's such a great site. You absolutely kill it. And whenever I feel like I see a move, like right when it happens, and I go to the page and I'm like, ha, I'm going to get there before he has time. No, he already made the move. You're so <laughs> quick, Jason. It's unbelievable. But definitely follow the pages on Fangraphs. Uh, you can follow Jason on uh, on Twitter at Jason R.R. Martinez. And for those that uh, kind of heard a little bit of the noise, you're at Petco right now, right? Yeah. Covering the, the Padres yeah. game. So I appreciate you making that time. This is a. Uh... Somebody was doing some work here in the press box. I have no idea what it no, was. No problem at all, by the way. I don't bring it up to say like it was obtrusive, just that we're letting, you, letting people know that you made time for us while you were while you were doing something on the job over there at Petco. So thanks so much. We're definitely going to have you on again soon. And uh, take care, Jason. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate you having me on.